0: Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Praise God. In your Bibles tonight, we're still kind of digging around in the faith subject. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to look there for a moment. Chapter five is a unique scripture that I would, uh, a, a unique portion of scripture that I would exhort every one of you to, to study. It begins talking about the tabernacle of our bodies, and how we yearn to be out of them, and into the one that God has for us. Do you realize God has a body for you, a physical body, that's the Bible calls it glorified. I mean, it's not going to wrinkle. It's not going to get old. It's not going to know pain. It's not I, I don't know to the extent of the supernatural ability it's going to have, but I'll tell you one thing. It's going to be a lot better than what you're wearing right now. Amen? And that is a promise from God. And not only that, in the Scripture, first two or three Scriptures, here, you'll find out that God's already given you the down payment for that body. For what you need to sustain that body is the Holy Spirit. You can't have a supernatural body without a supernatural entity in you, and you are not a supernatural entity in yourself. Let me say that again. You're not a supernatural entity in yourself. So God puts the supernatural entity of the Holy Ghost in you. That's why God doesn't release the full power of the Holy Ghost in our lives. Our bodies couldn't handle it. I mean, if He turned up the full volume of the power of the Holy Ghost in you and upon you, your body would fall over dead. Couldn't handle it. It'd be like getting too much electricity. You know, you you got to learn how to, uh, uh, to handle electricity. I used to climb these telephone poles when I worked for the cable company back in the late 70s and the early 80s, and we knew back then the first run of lot wires, that's cable TV, second telephone, third power. And some of those power poles that were 72,000-volt were distribution poles, man, I'd always put my, the back of my hand uh, on, the, on the ground uh, that had a copper wire that came down and grounded the pole. You'd always take the back of your hand and put it on there because you didn't want to put the front of your hand because if it wasn't grounded right, it could grab a hold of you and electrocute you. But I'm telling you, that stuff was powerful. I'd be up on those poles working in that cable. you hear that power just going, whoosh, 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 whoosh. I mean, it was spooky. And when it, when it had surges, all the hair on your arm would stand straight up. I mean, there's some power in electricity. Well, God has given us electrical power for the benefit of us in the natural, but He's also given us Holy Ghost power for our benefit in the Spirit. Amen. Now, this is a unique uh, 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 idea or thought about that. We did not invent electricity. It was always here. But it had to be discovered you had to learn how to assimilate it or gather it. Then you learned how to, had to learn how to transmit it. Then you had to have something to hook it to. Amen? And it took a mile. Man, I'm so thankful that I didn't live in Galveston 100 years ago. Could you imagine what it would be like trying to sleep tonight without air conditioning? It would be wet. Your sheets would be a little wet tonight. Amen? Well, the good news is, thank God, somebody found out about it. Somebody learned how to assimilate it to gather it together and hold it. Then they learned how to, how to transmit it. And then also they learned how to invent things to hook it. Hook it up to, and we gain the benefit of it. Now, the Spirit of God is the same way. Spirit of God is everywhere all the time. It's everywhere all the time. But not everybody knows how to assimilate it. And a lot of people don't know how to, how to hold on to it and keep it. And a lot of people don't know how to transmit it. But when you begin to learn these things, then just like electricity is a great benefit to your life, the Holy Ghost becomes a great benefit to your life. I'd like to say this. Electricity is a great life enhancer. And the Holy Ghost is a great life enhancer. Amen? Now, let's, let's dig in here in the middle because middle, we know once we get to the end, we're very familiar with those scriptures. But now go down, go down to verse 9. It says, Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent we may be accepted of him, for we must all be- appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Look at that word, judgment seat of Christ, that everyone might receive things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now, the judgment seat of Christ, a better way to, talk, to, to use that terminology, terminology is the reward seat of Christ, where we're going to stand before God and receive that which we obey God in in the earth. I don't want to be embarrassed then. Can I get a better amen than that? You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, there's two ways of doing things on the earth, your way or God's way. But God wants you to know there is a way of doing things which at the end of this dispensation and the end of this age, you will stand before God and He will reward you for your activity. And the problem is, is we live so strongly in the here and now, thinking, well, this is all there is, this will all there ever be. Well, that's not truth. This is very temporal. And what we're doing, we're doing as unto Him, because we know that one day we will live in the benefit of the reward of what we've done here on the earth. Amen? Now, notice this. I'm going to bounce back and forth between here and the Amplified in just a minute says in verse 11, Knowing therefore that the terror or the fear of the Lord, we persuade men, but we we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. Now watch this. For we commend you not to ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that you may have somewhat to answer them, that may glory in appearance and not in heart. Now he's saying this. He's saying, now listen guys, you here in Corinth, You got these guys coming through here that are persuading you by how they look and the show they put on. Amen. Now, there's always going to be ministers that are what I call are flash-in-the-pan ministers. That's what they are. They they, they rise up, uh, and then they blow up, and then most of them usually go up. Amen. (laughs) Because... It usually doesn't last long. Well, obviously there are people that were doing this in that day and that hour, but I want you to know he was saying, listen, we don't try to put on a show. We're not ministering in that way. What we do, we do from the heart. We have a heart connection. There was an apostolic heart connection with the Apostle Paul and the church of Corinth, and although he did not have control of who was coming and going there, he was making sure that the church knew the difference between the two. Amen. Amen. Now, notice this. You say, well, why would you say that to us? Because you could be exposed to all kinds of ministries on the Internet. You can get on the Internet if you want to. You can, you listen, you can get on the, you can get on, the, uh, uh, watch on television. You can get all, all kinds of, uh, of teaching and preaching. But you better be sure you know who you're listening to. And one of the good uh, ways to make sure you're safe is make sure somebody has a little longevity to them. It takes 20 years just to get a little bit of sense as a preacher. Amen. I heard B.B. Hankins say one time, they asked him why he never wrote a book. He said, because if I write one after 20 years, after 30 years, I want to write another one to correct the one I wrote when I was 20 20 years in the ministry. Amen. So you've got to understand there are some people that have a little longevity that have been around. They might not know everything, but they know something or else they wouldn't be here. Now, notice what it says after that. Let me find it here. It says, For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. I'll come back to that in a minute. minute. Uh, For the love of God constraineth us, because we thus judge. If one died for all, then all were dead. And that he died for all, now notice this, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for, them, him, died for them and rose again. Now let me read that again. And that he died for all that they which live, everybody say they which live, should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Now let me read that in the Amplified. Verse 15 says, And he died for all, so that all those who live might live no longer to and for themselves, but to and for Him who died and was raised again for their sake. Now, this is the number one reason faith does not work. Let me say that again. This is the number one reason faith does not work. You do not live your life for Him, period. You say, what do you mean by that? That means that God has 100% total custodial care of your life. Your life is in the hands of God. Your job, your business, your finances, what you think, what you eat, I mean everything about your life belongs to Him because you belong to Him. Now people don't shout over that. Because they still think they might have something. <laughs> Amen. They still think, well, man, there's, you know, I, I think I can pull a few things off. Well, you might can. But in order to really get the supernatural to work for your life. What's that message we heard yesterday? We were sitting in the parking lot there where, you're, where you went and got those shoes. It, this ain't no eight-second ride. I'm telling you, it was a tremendous message. Uh, Ken Hagen, Jr. preached at a camp meeting back in the 90s, and we were listening to it on the radio, and he talked about two two bronc riders who kind of were in competition with one another. One of them was a a drugstore cowboy who just happened to be good at staying on a bronc. The other was actually uh, grew up on a ranch. So the one that grew up on a ranch... He, uh, he invited the, the drugstore cowboy to come and try to ride the outlaw uh, stallion of their ranch. So he came and they put him on the horse in the chute and they and they opened the gate and the gate and the horse began to buck and twist and turn and buck and twist and turn. And he and he and he kept listening for the eight-second buzzer to go off, but it never went off. And so the, 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 the cowboy, who rode it 15, 20 seconds, got thrown on the ground, and, and, and the old rancher walked up to him and said, you know, it may be like that in a rodeo, but this ain't no eight-second ride. This is the real world. Well, listen, this ain't no eight-second ride. And the problem is we got too many believers in the body of Christ that all it takes is some little bump in their life, some little offense, some little problem, some little this, some little that, and they bail out. Not realizing this ain't no eight-second ride. But when you have given yourself, your life, your ministry, your career, your business, whatever it is, your husband, your wife, your children, your family, you have made a consecration unto God, and you've said, Lord, in you we live and move and have our being. It is you 100% the rest of our life. And then when this is life, this life is over, it is you forever. Until you get to that place of consecration in your life, you can bounce around faith, you can bounce around Christianity. Every once in a while when you need mercy or a miracle, it may show up, but you'll never truly experience the fullness of what it means to be taken care of by God. Amen. Have you ever heard the term being kept? Being kept. God wants to keep you. People don't like that. We have ambition. We have egos. We want to show the world we can do it. We want to show the world we've got talents. We've got abilities. And I'm telling you, the more success you get on your own, the stronger that gets. But I'm telling you, if you learn to live for God, God can so enhance your life. That whatever you can get by your own ambition, your ego, or your own uh, 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 intelligence, education, or anything else will be pale in comparison to what God can produce in your life. I remember uh, Brother Osteen introducing Brother Hagen in a meeting, at a camp meeting when I was in Bible school, and he got up, and the point he was trying to make was how all of these three men, Brother Hagan was there, Brother Copeland was there, and, and, and he was there, and he was trying to make the point of how they had started out in Christianity. And so he, he said of himself, he said, "All I ever was was a popcorn salesman at the ISIS theater. He said, "I sold popcorn in the, in the ISIS theater and then the dance halls. That's all I ever was." And then he turned to Brother Hagan, and he says, "Brother Hagan was born dead." You all that's heard his testimony, he was born dead." And then he looked at Brother Copeland and said, You wasn't nothing but a fat flop. <laughs> at one time, Brother Copeland weighed 300 pounds. He's not this tall, so you can imagine what he must have looked like. He said, What do you mean by that? Everyone who's ever found dynamic, extreme, extraordinary success in the body of Christ has always started out at this very debased point. But from there, they begin to come up. And they begin to come up a little more. And they begin to come up a little more. And they begin to get a little more revelation in the Word. And they begin to build a little bit more faith. And they begin to work on their faith. They begin to give a little more to God until they were all consecrated or all into God, recognizing and realizing that only God can do this. Only God can pull this off. Only God can manifest them. And they became what we like to call totally sold out, totally consecrated to God. And when that point comes in your life, you're not so easily swayed. I mean, I've seen people just bail because their prayer didn't get answered. I mean, just throw up there as well, that's it, you know. Didn't get my prayer answered. Well, What it was is you didn't get it answered the way you wanted it. Didn't happen at the time you wanted it to happen. Didn't happen at the place you wanted it to happen. Didn't happen how you wanted it. Listen, God is demanding of the church in this day and hour that we grow up out of this that we come out of these mindsets and ideas of thinking that we still can maintain some control and some and some possession of our life and still get by with God. It's not going to work. And even more so as we get closer and closer to the end of this age, God is looking for a remnant of people that are willing to sell themselves out totally and be totally dependent upon God. Now, where are we? Verse 16, now we can get into this. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yet though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet henceforth know we him no more. Now I bet you that went over real big amongst those that lived when Jesus walked on the earth. So Paul gets up and says this to the Corinthian church. Y'all have had Peter come through here. You've had John preach and they've talked how they walked with him and talked with him. Peter gave the testimony of how he got out of the boat. They both have the testimony of how they were with him on the Mount of Transfiguration. They handled him in the flesh, but that don't mean nothing. That's what he just said. That don't mean nothing. He said, though we used to know him after the flesh, yet now we know him no more. So what Paul is saying is this. The only way you're going to figure out How to totally give yourself unto the Lord is to understand that which Christ did for us, not when we saw him upon the earth in the three and a half years of miracle ministry, but as we see him through the x-ray of redemption so that we must understand he was God and he gave it up. He was God and he left heaven. He was God and He left His place of authority. He was God and He left His place of power. He was God and He left His place of majesty. He was God and He left His place of honor. He was God and He came down and got into the womb of the woman and was born as a man. That staggers the imagination. That staggers the imagination that God would do that. You say, why would He do that? He was totally dependent upon His heavenly Father and totally sold out to the will of God. So he becomes the template for that which those that are, we'll see in just a minute, in Christ should follow. You say, well, what are you talking about doing, preacher? I mean, everybody just selling everything they, that they got and go to, go to uh, uh, Africa or go to Central America. See, that's, that's where people get in the ditch right there is because they're always willing to profess something in cynicism that they're not willing to do instead of looking at what's practical that they should do and enter into and live for God. So instead of living for God correctly that will cause blessing, you live a life of compromise. What are you expecting us to do? Well, it's not what I'm expecting you to do. What is God expecting you? It may just be He wants you to live righteously and work righteously at the job that you have. And when everybody else is stealing from the company, you're not. You know you know, what people steal more than anything from where they work, don't you? Does anybody know? Time. That's right. They steal time. So you don't steal from the business. You work as unto the Lord. You're the best employee there. Uh, you, you, you're a witness there. You pray over your boss. You pray over the company where you work. Uh, you're a blessing wherever you go. And you keep your, your, your testimony of faith. And you're not ashamed to bear the reproach of what that means. Amen. It doesn't mean you have to sell your business and quit. No, that means in your business you do what's right and righteous. You pay your taxes, you 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 pay your your, your employees a fair wage. Amen. You believe God to make money so that you can bless the kingdom of God. You believe God also to be an influence in your community through your business. It's not everybody selling out and moving to the Amazon. It's living for God right where you are in the integrity that the word of God produces without compromise. You're people of prayer. You're people of the Word. You're people of your church. You value your pastor. You value what is taught. You value what is manifested. You value the vision of what God adds you to. And you're very willing to participate in that which God is doing in the earth because you know you're working for a reward and a brand new body that's going to help keep you in the presence of God throughout eternity. Amen? So the two things here. Number one, you can't know people after the flesh. And that's the problem with most interdiction in churches is everyone knows everyone else after the flesh. And when you know each other after the flesh, then you get into trouble. This is what we're going to talk on when we talk on divine healing on Sunday night. I don't want to get into the message, but it's you've got to see yourself with a cup. And you start out, that cup, the day you get born, born again, that cup's very pure. And that cup needs to be poured into by the Word and by the Spirit. But others will pour into that cup and try to taint it. And next thing you know, your, your, your cup is soyed. Well, I don't want to get into that. If I get into that, I have to teach on it. But that's where a lot of people in the Bible says for this cause, many are sick, many are weak, and many people get parked. You say, what do you mean get parked? They just stop. They're not going anywhere. They're not doing anything. They just stop right where they are. Well, God doesn't want that. God wants you moving. God wants you progressing. He doesn't want you parked on the side of the curve anywhere. He wants there to always be acceleration and movement in your life and ministry and your business and your job and your marriage, and with your family. You don't want there to be any stagnation in your life anywhere. So, number one, we can't know each other after the flesh. That means you don't need to know me after the flesh, I don't need to know you after the flesh, nor should we know Him after the flesh, which means the true revelation that we get. Now that did not mean I'm against Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I love that. Y'all know I teach in those, in those books all the time. But you have to understand the, the, the true x-ray the true inside information about Jesus comes from the epistles to the church. And in understanding that, that's where we need to live. That's where we need to study. And that's where we need to identify ourselves is with the one that is risen, the one who has overcome, the one who is in us by his word and spirit, and the one who the Bible says greater is he is in us than he that's in the earth. Amen? Now, notice the next verse. Everybody say faith. To walk in who I am in Christ. Now, the next scripture, that's the first, that's where we want to get to. Therefore, after all has been said about the body, after all has been said about don't let any charlatans get into your life, don't don't get, uh, uh, stay sober. Now, if you go study the word sobriety, I was going to come back to that. Thank you, Lord. James chapter 5, Romans chapter 12, couple of other areas, in the Word of God, it talks about being sober. Now, uh, we, we all think we're free from all of that because we don't, you know, smoke dope or, or, or snort Coke or, or drink Jack Daniel's. It's not talking about being under the influence of a stimulant or a depressant. It's talking about other things that put you under the influence and cause you to lose your spiritual sobriety. Amen. Things said and things done. Now, let me, let me hit these two points just a minute because I'm telling you, if you lose your sobriety on this pl- in this place right here, it's going to hurt you. Things are always going to be said and things are always going to be done. It's the nature of where we live and it's the nature of who we live with. It's just the way it is. Things get said, things get done, and if you allow what is said or done to influence you, that is influence will cause you to lose your sobriety. Now, let me say this, this will help you. Every person must deal with what happens to them. They have to you have to deal with it in love, by faith, with mercy and compassion. If you do not do that, then what infects you by what is said and what is done you will lose your sobriety over that and the proof of your loss of sobriety is the transmission of it. Now, let me help you. Once something is transmitted to you that is the hurt or pain or discouragement or the offense of someone else, it magnifies. It multiplies. You say, what do you mean by that? You say something to somebody Something happened to you, somebody parked in your parking place, somebody took your, what do they call your baby bottle. Somebody's baby baby bottle had more than yours, you know, whatever it is. Or some big thing, doesn't matter. The reason that God commands that we walk in love is because He knows the transmission of that. In you, it's at one level, but once you give it to someone else, it comes to another level. And they're more drunk on it than you are. That's why when it gets to the end of a story, we had a guy, I forget who he was. He was a guy that came to our Bible school and he taught us about how to speak, how to talk, how to use our voices to get the maximum potential out of them, how to take care of our voices. Then he got off on on stories and he gave this, he had five people leave the room. And he had, uh, the first guy he called in, and he told them a story. And he said, now I want you to take one person who's outside, who you told this story, and who I told. And it was just a simple, maybe four-sentence story. The bear did something, 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 something. And so he said, I want you to get one of them, go out in the hall. They They didn't hear the story. Go out in the hall, get someone, take them back over here in this other little closet, tell them the story. So he told him the story. So this guy goes and says, now you tell the guy you told the story to. I want them to go get somebody and tell the story to them. So they went and told the story to that, and they did that five times, just five times. So they got the last guy, and they said, now stand up here in front of the class and tell the story. So the guy that told the story, the first story, he had already told it so everybody knew what the story was. This guy told the story, and it wasn't nothing even close to what this guy said. I mean, they went from bears to lions. They went from lions to giraffes. I mean, everything about the story was all twisted up. And the guy said, I just wanted to show you how transmission of information gets muddled. Amen. So you've got to keep your sobriety because you can never sell out to God if you're not, if you're, if you're not sober. Because it takes a sober heart to sell out to God. Then the therefore comes up, which we that's one of our... Favorite scriptures around here. Therefore, if any man be, now notice this, in Christ. So he begins what? This revelation with a redemptive identification. Everybody say, I'm in Christ. Say, I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ. If you study the scripture in the way in which it was written, it literally denotes an ownership of God to you. God says to you, You are in Christ. You are mine. He is the vine. You are the branches. All through the gospels in the, in the, in the letters to the church. He is the vine. You are the branches. He is, the, he is the, where the roots are that comes out, and you're where the fruit is produced. Amen? Now, just a little, little side trap. God can't do anything on this earth without you. No one gets healed unless hands are laid on them. No one gets ministered to unless somebody speaks the gospel. We are the body of Christ. That means we are the ones who conduct the activity of Christ on the earth today. Now if that don't hit you as an awesome, awesome responsibility, what did we say earlier? You need to get saved. (laughs) Amen. You are in Christ. You're not in Michael the archangel. You're not in Moses. You're not in Joshua. You're not in King David. You are in christ this is the height of uh, the height of identification in the human family which removes identity from the human family and places you in god's family which means more than you're black you're in christ more than you're white you're in christ more than you're asian you're in christ More than you're Hispanic, you're in Christ. In Christ is the strongest, most powerful cord of identification that any human being can participate in because it takes them out of the human family and places them in Christ or in God's family. Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, what's it say after that? It's a new creature. That means your identification traits of your flesh, your soul, your education, Everything else doesn't even make any difference. God sees you how? In Christ. That's why He sees you healed. That's why He sees you prosperous. That's why He sees you delivered. That's why He sees you blessed. He does not see you in pain. He does not see you hurting. He does not see you mad or offended. He sees you in Christ. That's how He views every one of His children is in Christ. You're the only one that can change that standard. You're the only one that changes that standard. When you begin to view yourself outside of that, through words or activity, God still sees you in Christ. He still sees you as in Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is what? A brand new creature. One of them says you're a new creature altogether. One says a new species of being upon this planet. Amen? Now, the last part, I'll close with this. This 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 is the shouting part. We did all that to get here. I love this part. Old things are passed away. Now there's just some things you're going to have to let pass away. There's just some things you're going to have to let die. Now, what is real cool about serving God is that God, through Christ and in Christ, has harnessed the power of death. And that power is available to you to separate you from anything that is relevant to you because of your first birth. You say, what do you mean he's harnessed the power of death? What do you mean it can be used as a benefit for me? One, one uh, scripture uh, over at... Uh, let me think, I had the scripture, I had the, the book. Anyway, the scripture says, uh, it's in Romans. Uh, for the preaching of the cross is unto them that perish foolishness. But unto us that are saved... It is the power of God. The preaching of what? The preaching of the cross. Now we talk about the power of the resurrection. Now you know the word says he has delivered us from the power of darkness, but he's also translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. But the reality of this is there are some things in your life that need to be exposed to death. And they need to die. Old attitudes, old mindsets, old ways of doing things, old habits, old sins. I was talking to a guy the other day, and he was just adamant. I'm telling you, we're all sinners. We're all involved in sin every day. I said, I'm not. He said, then you're a liar. I said, I'm not a liar. I'm not a sinner. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. He said, well, that's just what the Bible says. You know, some people you can't help, there's some people you just can't help. But you've got to understand exposure to the power of the cross. How do you do that, though? How do you make application of that power to your situation? So we're talking about what tonight? Faith to walk or live in Christ. How do you do it? How do you do anything else in the kingdom? How does the kingdom work? What are the rules that govern the kingdom? The rules are you have to believe it in your heart, you have to confess it with your mouth. You have to take that very word, that's the first scripture that I began to directly apply to my life. I'd been into drugs, I was into hate, I was into violence, I was into all kinds of stuff that I needed to die to. So every day for the past 34 years, I confess, thank you Heavenly Father. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. So, I don't know if I want to do that or not. Well, you need to. Because there are attitudes, there are desires, there are things in you that must die, and they will not die without the application of the scripture to the situation. And the application of the Scripture to the situation by faith releases the power supplied. We were just in Colorado. They've legalized pot there. We went to the Dairy Queen. Those people were so stoned. You want to see stoned people, go to Dairy Queen in Colorado about (laughs) 8 o'clock at night. Because they love those dip cones. I mean, that's... And Lee and I and Breland, we smoked all the pot we wanted to. Well, how much did you smoke? None. We didn't want to. We didn't want to go to the store. We didn't want to look at the buds. We didn't want to do any of that. Come on. You say, why? The desire is gone. It died. It died. Amen. I mean, you know, you go to these hotels and there's porno you can buy. We never, we watch as much porn as we want. How much do you want? None. You say, why? there's no desire there. There's things in your life, and I'm talking about major sin issues, but there are other things in your life. Insecurities. Come on, church. Things that were put into us growing up things that are unique to us because of ethnic background, things unique to us because of geographical location. I'm going to tell you something, church. There's a pride to living in Texas. Bless God, we were the ones that stepped across the line at the Alamo. And Jim Bowie, he couldn't come across the line, so we drug him across the line, and they found 20 dead Mexicans in his room. Amen. Amen. Well, you may laugh, but there's some people that are lie. I mean, they, they find anything in the world to have pride in. Pride in being this, pride in being that. Listen, God, I found this out about God. He hates pride because pride is all about self. And there's a lot of things that are just prideful. Not a big old gold buckle, said uh, uh, Texas Youth Rodeo Association, Kingsville, Texas. Had a bull rider on it and all this kind of stuff. I think 1972 was it. And I was remember sitting in one of Brother Hagin's meetings, and the Holy Ghost said, you need to put that in the offering. I'm like, What? He said, that's a source of pride in your life. I'm like, oh, my Lord. You know what I did? I took it off my belt and stuck it in the offering. Hadn't seen it since then. Broke that pride. There are things you've got to do to break that pride. But when you do it, it's broken. And when you do it, it's done. And when you do it, you begin to enjoy the benefits of being the new creature and of old things passing away. And then what's the last part of the Scripture? We'll close. Behold, all things are what? new therefore for any man be in christ he's a new creature old things have passed away behold that word behold means look and see that means there's an experiential side to it that means you're going to be able to look and see all things are new that means newness in your health newness in your marriage newness newness in your life in your at your job in your business listen there's no reason to live a boring life if you live for god Once you turn your life over to God, once you recognize and realize you're living on this earth for a reward one day that you're going to get, once you realize that one day God's going to entrust His Spirit in you, so much in you that He's going to allow it to invigorate and just light your body up to the point it'll never age, never know pain and no telling what else it'll be able to do. I've heard people get up and teach and they had scripture for it that in a glorified body you can just close your eyes and think of being in Jerusalem, you'll be there. Think of being in Moscow, you'll be there. Think of being in Berlin, you'll be there. Think of being in Dublin, you'll be there. Think of being in Honolulu, you'll be there. I say, let's go. Amen? See, too many people think the Word of God is a fantasy when it's more of a reality than anything in the world. It is the true reality that's in this world. So how many new creatures we have? Shout to the Lord. Say this out loud, Heavenly Father, I thank you. I am a new creature in Christ. Old things, old things, all things have passed away. Everything, everything is new and alive and living for me. I will stay sober. I will stay vigilant. I will give my life 110% to the Heavenly Father who has redeemed me, who loves me, who cares about me, and has a greater plan for me than I could ever have. Thank you for it, Father. I rejoice in it, in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. amen. Glory to God. We'll stand on your feet. Father, we bless your name tonight. Thank you for the goodness of your word. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for imparting unto us revelation knowledge. Thank you, Lord, that what we teach, what we preach, is applicable to our lives each and every day. Let every person, Lord God, recognize and realize their need for daily application of the Word of God, the realities of who they are, what they have, and what they can do in Christ Jesus, being confessed, being believed, and being acted upon. Thank you, Father, for our protection and safety. As we leave tonight, we thank you no evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. Thank you, Lord. As we leave tonight, we walk on serpents, scorpions over all power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means harm us. So, Lord, we thank you as we travel, as we we handle the resource of life, whether it be out in the ocean, whether it be in the medical branch, whether it be in the educational institutions, whether it be up in the petrochemical plants, whether it be in our own business, wherever it may be, whatever we do, we claim that protection and safety. Thanking you that angels have charge. No evil, wicked men, or Satan himself can cause us harm in any way. Thank you for our door of utterance. Let your glory be upon us. Let us ever be mindful of those in our lives who we can be a witness to for Jesus Christ. We thank you also, Father. As we leave tonight. We worship, thank you, and glorify you for your grand, grand gesture of redemption to the human family. We thank you also, Father that you've given us a place of expression. We thank you for our church. We thank you that we're the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, empowered by the Word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. God. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.